Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. I have told this story so many times. Back in the day, when I was starting out in TV... I would imitate Barbara Walters. I'd try to sit like her, hold my hand under my chin, pretending I was Barbara Walters because she was the example of what a powerful woman on television could be, what it actually looked like. Barbara was the first woman to co-anchor the Today Show and the first woman to co-anchor a nightly network newscast. I remember the first day she did it an experience she calls a disaster because of the tension with her male counterpart who didn't want anything to do with her. Next came her famous Barbara Walters specials and an historic run on 2020. She has interviewed every sitting president since Richard Nixon, talked with hundreds of celebrities and newsmakers, and she created the hit show, The View. In her personal life, Barbara says she isn't nearly as confident. She's very honest about what she's had to give up in order to have such a legendary career. As she goes into retirement, make no mistake about it, Barbara Walters is a master. Everybody has a story, and there is something to be learned from every experience. Use your life as a class. This is Masterclass with Barbara Walters. I have, um, of course, mixed feelings about retiring. It's time, and I know it. And I wanted to leave while people still wanted to interview me, maybe, or, or still thought about me, rather than, oh, is she still alive? So I know that it's time to go. What I will do when I get up and don't have a studio to go to I'm not sure, but when young people, especially young women, come up to me and say, you inspired me to go into this business, I feel then I have a legacy. Very often when I do interviews, I start by asking about the childhood. First of all, because usually it relaxes people, but also when you talk to someone about childhood, you can then say, how does that affect you today? And I think that's so interesting about people, the relationship with the mother and father and and siblings. In my case, I guess it was not the most normal childhood and not necessarily the happiest. My mother was a woman who would probably be called the usual homemaker. She loved me very much, I knew that, and I loved her very much. But she was not meant for the life of ups and downs that my father's life brought to her. 
They had had difficulties with their children. They had a son who died at the age of three from pneumonia. And I had a sister who was three and a half years older and was called in those days retarded. Today, probably she would be called developmentally challenged or, or maybe autistic. But my sister was the most significant part of my life. I. I loved her and I was unhappy for her. People made fun of her because she stuttered and so they made fun of me. I felt rather isolated. I didn't go to Sunday school because my sister couldn't go to Sunday school. I didn't have parties at home because my sister couldn't have parties at home. So I had very mixed feelings about her. If I think of the positive side, it gave me a compassion and an understanding of people that I might never have had. I barely saw my father because he was in show business. My father, when I was growing up, ran nightclubs called the Latin Quarter. One, the biggest one was in New York, the Latin Quarter on Broadway and 48th Street. And if today you go to Broadway and 48th Street, there is a sign that says Lou Walter's Way. It was a little bit like Las Vegas. It had a huge stage and chorus girls dressed in scanty clothes, although unlike Las Vegas, their bosom, their breasts were covered. And it had big stars. Frank Sinatra played there at one point. Frank Sinatra was wonderful to my sister. I will never forget that. Uh, Milton Berle. Uh, I can do Milton Berle's, with a glass of wine, I can do Milton Berle's whole opening act. We went to opening nights of my father's shows. We spent Christmas there. We spent Thanksgiving there. So this was all very glamorous if it wasn't happening to me. My friends wanted to go there on big birthdays. Their parents went to the Latin Quarter on anniversaries. But I very rarely saw my father because he worked nights. He would sleep until 2 in the afternoon. It was not the usual childhood. I wanted the usual childhood. I wanted a father who... Uh, was a dentist and came home every night. I wanted the normalcy of that life. My father, by nature, was a gambler. And the Latin Quarter had been enormously successful. And for various reasons, my father had trouble with a partner and so forth, and sold his share of the Latin Quarter and opened a new nightclub, one in Florida and then in New York, and they were both failures. And between my father's occupation and my sister, I somehow always felt that I would have to support my family and that there would come a time in my life when my parents were gone when I would have to fully support my sister. And so I did have to support my mother and father. It was a nightmare that came true. It also meant that if I had a job I didn't like, I had to stick to it the way men did. And my friends, if they had a job they didn't like, they went home to mama or they got married. I had to work. And that may have been the best thing that happened to me. When I graduated from college, I had, <laughs> there was nothing I could really do. So I went to speed writing school. You know, you see those signs, at least you used to, which said, if you, the letter U, can, C-N, read, R-E-D, this, then you can, you can do speed writing, which was like shorthand. I graduated number one in my speed writing class. My first job was as a secretary, and, and I wasn't bad. 
my breakthrough was when I was hired by the local station of NBC to be the assistant to the publicity director of the local station. The reason for this is that I knew all of the show business columnists in the newspapers in those days. In New York, there were more than one or two. So I had all these contacts. I was Lou Walter's daughter. They knew me, and I could take things down in shorthand. To this day, I can do that. It is a rare and wonderful talent. I was in the publicity department of NBC, so I knew all of the columnists. And then, because I was writing the releases, it was decided that I should write for the other people on the show. What I started writing on television was what I call the tea-pouring stories. I would write the fashion shows. I would write the beauty features. And the big breakthrough was when the producer said, she can write anything. And then they let me go out and do stories, write them and appear in them. So that little by little, I began to be on the air. Now let me tell you my piece of luck. There was a convention that nominated Lyndon Johnson. It was in the 60s. And the woman who was then the today girl, was Marina Sullivan, the mother of Mia Farrow. And she had been hired because the producer had seen her in a play and she was great. But the fact that you can act doesn't necessarily mean that you can ask questions. And she couldn't. And so the producers decided they had to let her go, but they had to pay her salary. So they had to hire someone very quickly who would work very cheap. A, I was there. B, I worked cheap. So they hired me for 13 weeks while they were looking for a star. I stayed on for 13 years. I think luck is very important, and then you have to know what to do with it. You can be lucky and waste it, and you can work your tushy off and never have good luck. It takes both. This is what I tell especially young women. Fight the big fights. Don't fight the little fight. If you don't get all the lines, if you're not where you should be, be the first one in, be the last one out, do your homework, choose your battles, don't whine, and don't be the one who complains about everything. Fight the big fights. The world of television journalism was a man's world. It is no secret, for example, that I had difficulty with a wonderful newsman named Peter Jennings. Peter Jennings was great. Uh, he could write like a dream. He was such a superb newsman. But he wasn't superb to me. He would cut me off. He would never say thank you or that's interesting. And we all sort of took it for granted. Uh, it's changed. And I don't want to put Peter down. It's the way it was thought of then the so-called hard news, a woman couldn't do it. The audience wouldn't accept her voice. She couldn't go into the war zones. She couldn't ask the tough questions. The fact that I did ask the tough questions was something that was very controversial. Some people admired it, others said, you know, she's rude. On the one hand, it made me more valuable. On the other hand, I got the reputation as being a pushy cookie. There goes that pushy cookie. If I said to a politician, yes, but you didn't answer my question, 
sounded terrible. If a man said it, it didn't sound terrible. You know, I was the pushy one. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. At one point, when I was allowed to be on the air, because I was finally promoted to being on the air, next to a man named Frank McGee. He was a very good journalist, and he had not, was not very happy about having me as a partner. He had it in his contract that he asked every serious question. He asked every hard news question, and I could not come in. And I then went to the head of the network, and the big compromise was that if he asked four questions, I could come in on the fifth. Or if I got the interview and it was done outside of the studio, what we call a remote, if I could get that interview, then I could do it. I must say, when I interviewed Henry Kissinger, I said, you know, you're considered the sex symbol in Washington now. How do you feel about it? And I always remember his answer. He said, I love it. Now when I bore people, they think it's their fault. When I was on the Today Show on NBC and I left, my legacy was that from then on, every woman would be considered the co-anchor. When I came to ABC, one of the things that I began to do were specials. The first one had Barbara Streisand and her then-boyfriend and President-elect Jimmy Carter and his wife. And I was criticized so for doing anything that had a serious interview and a celebrity. Today, we see it all over the place. We certainly see it on every morning show. Then how can you do that? But I thought, this is very important. And those specials in the early years, the combination of the serious person and the celebrity, those specials took off. There was the opportunity to be the first female co-anchor on the network news program at ABC with a man named Harry Reasoner to be the first female co-anchor of a network news program. So I said, yes, he didn't want me. He didn't want any partner, and he certainly didn't want me. And we were a disaster. I would walk into that studio, and no one would talk to me. They had all been there before with Harry. And, I mean, the audience began to feel it. It was so tight and unpleasant. I was... Crucified in the press. I mean, I, I, first of all, I had this partner on the air who didn't want me. The program was failing. The ratings were down. There shouldn't be a woman. It was awful. And I would, before the show went on, the mail came in, and I would open my letters, and, oh, they were terrible. And at one point, a telegram came, and I opened it up, and it said, don't let the bastards get you down. And it was signed, John Wayne. And I thought, the cavalry's coming. 
that telegram from him was so unexpected and so perfectly timed. Don't let the bastards get you down. John Wayne. Yeah. The head of ABC News then was a genius named Rune Knowledge, not because of his relationship with putting me on the air, but because he had been the one who had done the Olympics and made them so important and so forth. He had been in sports and then went to news. And it was Rune who decided to let Harry go back to CBS in 60 Minutes, where he'd been. And he had faith in me and he kept me. And that is when I did the most important work of my career. I did an interview with Fidel Castro, which I've never been able to do anything like it since. I spent days with him. We sat down to do it at about 7 o'clock at night. Castro does like to talk. And we finished at 1.29 in the morning. I know that because he signed a photograph that said to the longest and most difficult interview I've ever done in my life, 1.29 a.m. The next day, he showed up at my hotel. The tourists who were there, and, and not American tourists, because we were not allowed to go to Cuba, were amazed to see Fidel Castro pull up in his Jeep. He was going to take us through the mountains where he had been a guerrilla fighter. I held some hard candies in my lap because he was taking the candy to give to children along the way. And I also held his gun. And we drove and drove, and then we went to his hideaway, and had dinner, and he was very funny. I remember he said, you know, you should pay me. I've been a great producer. I said, you've been a lousy producer. You've taken us on these back roads, and you know, you don't seem to know where you're going. I said, you know what? Here's $5, we'll pay you as a driver. I mean, I, when I think about it, it's ridiculous. We spent the kind of time together that we've never been allowed to spend after that. 25 years later, I came back and did a brief interview. I said, you've gotten grayer and I've gotten blonder. For me to be able to talk to these people, uh, to, to interview the Shah of Iran when he was virtually kicked out of, of, of his own country, to do those historic interviews, the memory of those uh, is something that I, I treasure. I felt that I was a part of history. I think those were the happiest years that I had doing, traveling all over the world and doing those kinds of interviews. Why Rune Knowledge, the president of the news department, chose me above Harry, I will never know. But he did. Um, had he not, you wouldn't be talking with me today. There would be no career. The same scrappy work ethic that got Barbara Walters her first break in television never wavered throughout her entire career. For her, you can never work too hard or be too prepared. My idea of hell is that I do this wonderful interview on camera and the lights go down and the cameras are taken away and someone says to me, did you ask thus and such? And I say, oh, no. I never asked thus and such. And days later, I'm still saying, oh, I never asked thus and such. I do a tremendous amount of homework, more perhaps than other people do. Not just reading about them, watching the tapes they've done, watching the movies they've done, talking to other people, and getting a, an instinctive feel about it. What's their pace? How do they look? What makes them cry? What makes them laugh? I used to have discussions with Larry King who said that he didn't want to read the book because he wanted to ask the questions the person at home would ask, and that's a very good way to be. 
I have to read the book. I have to do the homework. So that I sometimes know more about the person than the person does himself. And I write lots of questions on three by five cards. I can write 150 questions, then I throw them away. Then I write them over, then I throw them away. Then if you happen to walk in because you're delivering a tuna fish sandwich to me, I will say, if you could interview President so-and-so, what would you ask? And usually the questions are very good. So we all have our own technique. Mine is that I am most comfortable when I feel I know the person well. Am I then surprised? Yes. But I would be less surprised if I didn't know the question that might bring that out. Richard Nixon wanted so much to be liked. He wanted to, oh, I don't know, explain himself, to be liked, to be... And, 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 and something stopped it in his personality. And I remember that Nixon, before the cameras were rolling, was telling sort of risque jokes to the stagehands and the cameramen, trying to be liked. I thought it was very sad. And I remember that interview because I had said to the stage manager, give me a one-minute cue at the end. And one minute before the end, I said, and he then said, yes, he was. The presidents I've talked to, starting with Richard Nixon, I don't know any of them who said, when I grow up, I'm going to be president. That's my ambition. I remember talking to President Obama about what he thought he was going to be as a young boy. He said he thought that he might have been an architect. He said he never thought that he was going to be president. I mean, given his background, I can see that he wouldn't have thought that. Jimmy Carter, I think even though no one knew who he was at that time, you could tell that this was a brilliant man and that in spite of the way he appeared, that there was an ambition there that was going to make a great deal of difference. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. There is no more charming man than Ronald Reagan. We did a program one year called At Home on the Ranch, in which we went to his, I thought, very tacky ranch and went off in his Jeep and so forth. You could not be with Ronald Reagan and not become very fond of him, no matter what the politics. I was not in the beginning as big a Clinton fan as others because everybody was such a fan. I feel differently about him now. He is one of the most brilliant men I have ever met. His knowledge, the way he articulates things, is simply a joy to listen to. If there is a downside, he is a joy to listen to, but he does go on. I'm fascinated by the personality of our leaders. Who are they? What do they believe in? I used to be criticized for asking those kinds of questions. Doesn't matter, you know, what do we care what he or she thinks? The most important thing is only the hard news question. I don't think so. I think it's important to know what's important to them. You have to find out, if you can, what makes someone tick. Why would somebody be able to send troops in? What would go through their mind? Because personality does affect history.
there has to be ambition there. It can't just be pragmatic. There has to be some idealism. You have to go through so much that it takes a combination of things to make a man or a woman, hey, I never thought I'd be saying that, a president. If I'm at a dinner party and I'm sitting next to someone and I say, what's the luckiest thing that happened to you? Or what was your first job? By the way, that's a great question to ask people. What was your first job? Everybody remembers his or her first job. People say to me, you're interviewing me. I'm not. I'm just curious. I think that an interviewer, a correspondent, should have curiosity. You don't have curiosity, you're not going to make it. The most important thing that a journalist or an interviewer can do is to listen. It is not the first question. It's the second. Too often we write questions down and no matter what the person says, we go on to our second question and our third question because that's the way we've written them. We shouldn't. The first question gets asked and the second question should be, why? How come? Tell me more. You must listen. I have written 50 questions, and after the first questions, I rip the rest up, and I just go with it and listen. If you don't listen, you're not a journalist. My father, when I was growing up, ran nightclubs, so I knew the stars. They made me understand that the biggest stars, the biggest celebrities had their problems, had their insecurities, and I'm sure it played a part in my never being afraid of interviewing a celebrity. There are several interviews that have stayed with me way beyond the interview. I interviewed Richard Pryor after 80% of his body was burned, and at first he didn't denied how it had happened. We argued from the moment we began. I can't use some of the words that he used. I wouldn't be allowed to. He was a genius, he was the most self-destructive man. And then I did a second interview when he said that he'd been freebasing and that he'd lit himself on fire. Brilliant talent, a tragic man. And when he finally admitted what it was, he was stunned. I mean, what can you say, what can you say about someone who almost deliberately sets himself for fire? Other interviews that will stay with me for totally different reasons, Catherine Hepburn, who saw things in black and white, and when I said, I see things in gray, said, well, I pity you. And I said, do you ever wear a skirt? And she said, I will to your funeral. <laughs> I mean, you know, her, her wit and her, the fact that she saw things so definitely. I think that's one of the reasons people liked Catherine Hepburn so much, was that she did see things exactly as she thought they should be. Another Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn, one of the most beautiful, fragile. I always wanted to look like Audrey Hepburn. And she said, I could. She said, you know, you have to cut your hair and you have to make uh, a, a bigger eyebrows and so you can look just like me, sure. You know, I've done hundreds of interviews. The ones that I remember the most are the murderers, the alleged murderers. Mark David Chapman walking in handcuffs back to his cell saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the Menendez brothers, I remember Eric Menendez saying, I'm just a normal boy. And I said, you're a normal boy who killed your mother and father? To be this intimate with people and to have them open up to you.
I remember talking to Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve had been Superman in every way. In his personal life, he was a great athlete. He was a star in movies, this big strapping man. And he was riding a horse when the horse tripped and fell over. And he said, if he had landed two inches one way, he would have been dead. Two inches the other way, he would have been fine. But the way it was, he was paralyzed for life from his whole body. And I did the first interview with him. And he talked wearing a tube in his throat, so he'd have to take a breath and he could talk as long as the breath stayed. And then he'd have to take another breath. When you see what can happen to people that they never ever expected, both good and bad, you realize how exciting, improbable, wonderful, tragic a life can be. People talk all the time about women wanting to have it all. Did my career affect marriages? Sure. What I've learned most about being married is that I'm not very good at being married. All the travel that I did, did it affect my daughter? She will tell you, yes, it did. So, did I give certain things up? Yes, but look what I've gained, look what I've had. I can never complain. My daughter had a very difficult adolescence. It was always difficult for her to be the daughter of a celebrity. Some daughters love it, some daughters live off of it. You know, they become their mother or father's daughter. And my daughter never liked it. She likes a life of anonymity. And it was hard for her. She felt she had to live up to me, or she felt that people might like her because she was Barbara Walters' daughter. And so she lives a life as completely different from mine as she could. I love her very dearly, and I know that she feels the same way about me. You can't describe this kind of feeling between a mother and daughter, but every mother will understand. There are times in an interview when part of me goes, wow, wait. Very often when I'm doing an interview, I'm editing it in my head. But yes, there are times when I know that something has been said that's going to make a difference. And journalists have been accused of interfering with history or trying to create it. That's not the case. But we have been witnesses to history. When I'm asking questions, I am fully confident. And I have a kind of courage that I, I may not have in real life. Another person comes out. I don't recognize that person, but I'm glad she's there. It's like the very shy comedian who is, when you talk to him off camera, can barely talk, and, and goes on that stage and bursts forth. I am also, when I'm working, not afraid. You can send me to a country that's in the middle of a war. I have a conviction in my professional life. I have no second thoughts. Privately, should I wear the red dress or the blue dress? I should wear the blue. No, the red. Uh, what do you think? Should I wear the red? Do you think I should wear the red? No, I'll change the blue. I drive people crazy. I've always been able to assert myself, but afraid to assert myself. It is why I do not moderate my own program, The View. Part of me 
that's happiest, I guess, behind the camera, behind the lights. It, it's the way I have, I guess, lived my career. Oh, my goodness, what a career it's been, both in front and behind the camera. I'm honored to have been interviewed by Barbara for one of her specials way back in 1988 and several times since. And she was always such a great guest on my show. Her career is unrivaled. She fought the big fights. And all of us who've come after her owe her a great deal of thanks. I believe that luck is preparation meeting that moment of opportunity. Barbara Walters is proof of that from the moment she was given a chance, be it luck or not, she made the most of it. A true pioneer for women. Barbara Walters, you are a master. When I am told sometimes that I paved the way for other women journalists, I'm very proud. But it's not something that I did deliberately. I think your greatest teacher is experience. You learn from everything you do. And as my career is coming to an end, I look back and think, look who I met. Look what I saw. There are some things you can learn from. There are some things you will never learn. Don't berate yourself if you make the same mistakes. And at some point, when you're older, maybe not just when you're older, at some point, forgive yourself. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Masterclass, the podcast. You can follow Masterclass on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Masterclass podcast. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack, fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.